Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Beat, the only podcast which brings together the journalists and reporters who cover Arsenal on a regular basis. I'm Sam Dean from The Telegraph and today I'm joined by two legends of the Arsenal press back, Mark Mann-Bryans of PA Media and Nick Callow from Haters. Now we're here to talk about Saturday's win at Leicester, the progress of the team and also to play the latest round of Guess the Guna, our soon-to-be award-winning quiz game. Fellas, thank you both for joining me today and what might turn out to be quite a dark day for Arsenal fans, I think, as the, the mighty Antonio Conte gets to work down the road at Spurs. But we shouldn't worry about that. Nothing to worry about at the moment because nothing that can happen at Spurs will affect the buoyant mood at the Emirates right now with nine games unbeaten, seven wins in that run and a 2 win against Leicester on Saturday. That felt like another pretty meaningful step forward. Mark, you and I were there at Leicester despite the weather doing its best to kill us on the way up. What did you make of the performance and the sort of the feeling around the team at the moment? I thought it was, there were two very different parts of that performance. I thought the first 20, 25 minutes was the kind of Arsenal that the fans want to see, the, the glitz and the glamour. We might even say, we've heard it a few times, you know, we've got our Arsenal back chant. It actually felt a little bit like that, I thought. I thought they, they overwhelmed a Leicester side that su- su- surprisingly started quite slowly. But then when Leicester came back into the game, I think Arsenal, to be honest, let them back into the game a little bit. But we saw that guile and guts that we don't necessarily associate with Arsenal teams of, of late. And, and obviously an outstanding performance from Aaron Ramsdale, arguably just about got them over the line for the deserved three points. Nick, be honest with us. What did you think when Aaron Ramsdale was signed for 24 million, rising to 30 well, million? I was campaigning for Aaron Ramsdale to be signed, arguing with my mates and saying they're wasting their time because although I hadn't seen a lot of him in the flesh, I was aware that he'd been voted player of the season at Sheffield United, Bournemouth and Wimbledon, even though he only played about less or fewer than 20 games, I think, for Wimbledon. So I could see there was a big character here. And for me, when things started to go wrong under Arteta, and I've said this many times before, is when they allowed Emmy Martinez to leave and put all their faith in Burnt Leno. And when things were going well for Arsenal Arteta, it was when Martinez was there, he gave that defence all the confidence to play their football to the best of the ability. He put a lot of belief throughout that whole team, and that's exactly the sort of character that Ramsdale is. I am amazed that he's as good as he is, but I never had any doubts that he'd be a good signing. I just thought it might take a bit longer before Arsenal fans got to see how good he was. And I am, I'm sure... Yeah, I'm sure I'm as surprised as anyone to see he is as good as he is and will be pushing for a World Cup spot, I'd have thought, by next winter. I, I think even he would be surprised that he's mm. at number one and established as a number one now. I think, for me, the most surprising thing is how, how well and how quickly he's adapted to the playing out from the back that, that Arteta is insistent on. I think it's something that Leno always struggled with. I think Martinez obviously was a little bit better, but, but Ramsdale, he can start attacks at the drop of a hat. He's comfortable on the ball. And I think just given the way, obviously, Sheffield United in particular played, a lot of fans still had questions about whether they can do it. And he's taken to it like a duck to water, really. It's interesting yeah, I mean, that, how... That, was it, sorry to interrupt. Was it West Brom in the League Cup, his, his debut? Yes. And, and yes. He, he was just passing the ball like a sweeper around at, the, around at the back. And that was what stood out for me more than anything. Well, this guy looks really relaxed at home with the ball at his feet. And if, and if that's how Arteta's going to make them play, then that's the sort of the keeper they need. Uh, Sorry, Sam, I interrupted you. No, no, it's all right. I was just thinking it's it's interesting how for much of this season, whenever we've asked Arteta about Ramsdale, 
he's always answered in reference to his character and his energy and his personality. Mm. And Arteta's been quite sort of, I don't know if it's reluctant is the right word or not, but he's not really spoken about the technical quality of Ramsdale as a goalkeeper and a player. Perhaps that's just because it's so obvious, um, given how he's playing. But but I do wonder if they, they signed him, obviously because they thought he'd be a good goalkeeper, but also because they, like you say, Nick, they saw the character there and the personality they have. And that's what Arteta keeps referring to. And I think that's what Arteta's been most impressed by. When you watch him against Leicester and you see the, the quality of the saves he was making, that, that stop from the free kick and the two close-range sort of smothering type saves he made from Lookman mm. and Harvey Barnes. And you think that's a goalkeeper who's at the very top of his game, technically, as well as um, what he brings off the, off the pitch or, or, or charisma-wise and what sort of confidence he provides the other players. And look at even the way he sort of... There's one pass he did to Aubameyang on the sort of side volley, which he just drilled straight at his feet. And it was just like a real execution of... A, a real sort of moment of technical quality, which... I think a lot of people, including myself, didn't think Ramsdale had in his locker at this stage of his career. We all knew he had potential and could get there, but he's turned up and he's sort of pinging the ball around on the side probably like prime Pepe Reina 15 years ago. And it's, um, it's been pretty, uh, pretty good, to, good to watch and good to see. And you can see the way that... I think, I think under Leno, not under Leno, but with Leno in goal, I think when he got the ball, sometimes the Arsenal players wouldn't make the run because they wouldn't trust him to, to find them particularly sort of on the wings or up front. Um, now you see when Ramsdale gets the ball, Aubameyang sets off and Lacazette moves into position because they know that they could get picked out by him. And that makes a huge, huge difference um, to the team, not just the goal to the defence, but the whole team going forward. Mark, you, you cover England, obviously. Um, you, you know a lot about how Southgate operates and the preferences he has. Do you think Ramsdale's got a shot at, at that number one spot at one point soon? Yes, I think he's got all the characteristics that, that Southgate looks for in a keeper, that he looks for even in defenders, ball-playing defenders. So I think Fuels got our heads together on Saturday and said we'd be amazed, for example, if, if Ben White didn't, didn't get into the squad this time around. Um, but yeah, on, on Ramsdale, I think so. I think the one thing he's going to come up against is Southgate's been fiercely loyal to Jordan Pickford and to be fair, whilst he's made mistakes for Everton, he's, he's always seemed quite strong for England, especially from the World Cup, really, on, onwards to now. And I, I think at the moment, Ramsdale is arguably in a battle to be the number two. Obviously, he's got another year to go, a little bit more than a year to go until the World Cup. A lot can happen in that time, hopefully for the good for, in terms of Ramsdale. I think, obviously, he'll be in that squad. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same three keepers again. But as we said, we're talking to to Gunnerblog on, on Saturday and we, he said, oh, I'd, I'd hope that he'd get a game this time around. Maybe he could play against San Marino. But what, what do we learn from that? He's not going to get the ball, let alone be able to use the ball or, or show what he can do for England. That's going to be a training exercise almost for him, isn't it? So the only way he can impress Southgate and show him that he's number one material is to keep putting in these sort of performances for Arsenal. They're arguably more likely to land him in a place in the team in Qatar than if he was to start a game against San Marino and touched the ball three times. Nick, I want to ask you about the defence. Um, mm. Not just Ramsdale, but Gabriel scored a goal. Ben White seems to be getting better with each week. Um, Gabriel actually is now unbeaten in his last 14 starts for Arsenal. You look at the core of that of that back, that back line and the back four, obviously we've had, you know, Tavares, who I think we'll come on to um, instead of Kiratini left back, but 
but Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, and then Tierney or Tavares. It, it seems quite settled. It seems quite strong, and it, and it seems quite um, promising so far. What, what do you make of it, Nick? And how good is this yeah. given all the Arsenal teams you've seen down the years? It's a great, it's a great stat, isn't that one about Gabriel and, and the fourteen games? And it really shows the value of having a settled, if not a settled side, having a settled defence. And if you could talk about great Arsenal teams over the years, of course you're referring back to 89 and the back four, back five with Keown, Adams, Bold, Winterburn, Dixon and, and David Seaman and before him, John Lukic in goal. And they always talk about George Graham just doing day after day the same training tools, actually tying them together with a rope so they couldn't sort of go out formation, went up and down, playing the offside trap, always looking after each other's backs. And... You can see with Gabriel and Ben Benjamin White, as you should properly <laughs> refer him to. Um, can I cut you off for a second? Can we just make, yeah. can we just make it very clear that Ben White does not care if it's Benjamin or Ben, and it, the whole <laughs> thing has been blown massively out of proportion, and it's absolutely fine to call him Ben. But please carry on. <laughs> he also told me that he doesn't listen to this anymore since everyone stopped change, started changing his name. So we can call him what we like. I saw some <laughs> some other podcasts calling him Jemima. So um, we'll, stick, we'll, stick, we'll stick to Ben anyway. But they have got, they've got a real understanding, and, and it's interesting how Arteta has referred to that too. He said that Gabriel's English has improved a lot. And I saw that when he went from, when he came to Arsenal, was it 20-odd million quid, considering he'd only played a season or two in France, and he had played very little top, at Lille, he played very little top-level football. And I noticed in France, he, you know, obviously he speaks Portuguese, coming from Brazil, but he had taught himself or made sure he learned French pretty quickly. And it looks like he's doing that with his English now, according to Mikel. And uh, I was a bit worried when they first signed him. Because I saw these pictures. He's got these amazingly white, bright teeth and that gold tooth, which he seems to keep losing every time, time he plays. I thought, God, this guy's more interested in his teeth than he is about football. But he seemed to speak very well about his about playing with David Louise. And I think he, he sensibly sort of learned quite a lot from Louise, who put his arm around him and looked after him and sort of came some good guidance about how to play in England, the Premier League. and adapt to life here and it's it's clear that the other players love him and if you remember that debut match it wasn't his debut I think wasn't it away to Fulham at the start of the the first sort of lockdown uh, season when he scored and William was great and everything was looking great for Arteta and Arsenal even though he had Leno in goal that day I think um, and he made such a good start and then he's just been a bit unlucky with injuries a bit, a bit of Covid but it's interesting now that Arteta that game against Leicester referring to he picked the same team that beat Villa. I don't know how many times he or any other Arsenal manager in recent years has gone with exactly the same lineup, the two games running. It seems to be quite a rare thing. And the defence is really benefiting from it. And most importantly, that central partnership of White and Gabriel, because we've seen Tommy Yasu come in and you know, the, the fullbacks are more interchangeable, as good as Tierney and Tommy Yasu are. But we've seen, as you said with Tavares, that they are interchangeable more. And they could go to a three. Maybe with Saliba one day. Let's, I mean, I don't really want to talk about him because I've never really seen him play, but everyone seems to think he's the best player ever. <laughs> but um, yeah, Gabriel has been uh, a hell of a good signing by Arteta Edu and whoever first spotted him. My, um, my abiding memory of that game against Fulham, not actually the goal, but um, we were there and obviously it was an empty stadium, so you could hear quite a lot of it. And in the thing, I think it was second half of the first half, Fulham had a corner and they sort of swung it in at pace. And the absolute ferocity of Gabriel's header, he just sort of thumped the ball with his head and it kind of echoed across the Thames and back. There was the sheer sort of <laughs> connection. And I actually turned, I think it was Mark Irwin uh, of the Sun and of the podcast occasionally as well. 
And I turned to him and said, did you hear that? And both of me, me and him both sort of went, my God, they've signed an absolute powerhouse here. Just the, it's almost like mm. he burst the ball with his, with his skull. It was, it was quite extraordinary. Um, anyway, Mark, I've cut you off there. You were going to say something much more interesting. No, it's whimsical. You're more whimsical than me. I was going to say, and it's easy to claim, I'd, I'd, you know, as we sometimes do when he's trying to look clever on Twitter, and I'd spent a while drafting a tweet about Gabriel pre-match on Saturday before he scored great header. But obviously that's not his, what he's in the team to do. He's in the team to defend. And I think there's an argument to be made, Thomas Partey aside, and everyone knew what Thomas Partey brought to the table, that he's been Arsenal's best signing of the last three years, Gabriel. I think no one really knew much about him. He was great. He took took to the league really well. As Nick pointed out, he, took, he had an injury and then had a bit of a, a shaky spell. But I think since he's come back into the team and now he's playing alongside White, I, I just think he looks incredible. I think White's taken a, the plaudits, which helps as well. It kind of means that his, his game's developed like out of the spotlight, if you like. But I think those two could be key to anything Arsenal wants to achieve this season. And as, as Nick mentioned, Saliba, you know, we're not going to go on about it because, again, we've not really seen him play. But Teta's going to have a bit of a mission on his hand next year, if they don't get European football especially, to justify having those three centre-halves knocking around that club. And did, does Saliba get, knock either of those outside? Probably not if they have a full season learning of, about how to play alongside each other. They're all of a similar age. Saliba's only a bit younger. But I just think that, that Gabriel signing, he, he strikes me, if his English gets better, as, as a future captain of Arsenal. I saw someone suggesting that when Arsenal lose players to the African nations, that either Ben White or, or Gabriel could even slot in and play a sort of a defensive midfield role, particularly White. I mean, do you think that's, especially if they've got players like Chambers and Mari and Holding also knocking around in that squad to cover at the back, do you think that's something that Arteta could do or would work? Um, I kind of, I, I've seen White play in midfield before and he definitely can. But it feels like the most important thing probably in the whole team is having a settled back line. So I'd almost mm-hmm. be more surprised if um, if White played there than if someone like Callum Chambers came in and did it. Because you could put Chambers in there for three weeks beforehand in training and say, right, you are yeah. going to be the guy to replace Thomas Partey in a month's time. Get ready, get switched on. And we know he can play that role because he did very well at Fulham and won their player of the year in that position. Um, so rather than disrupt the whole back four and then sort of shuffle your pack in that sense, I'd be... I'd sort of expect someone like that to come in a bit more. Um, or maybe even, dare we say it, someone like Charlie Patino. But uh, that's, <laughs> that's probably it. highly, highly... Yeah, we've, we've, we've ticked the Saliba box and we've ticked the Patino <laughs> box now. So we've, uh, we've got all the bases covered. I should say on Saliba quickly that there is a uh, really uh, uh, well-written piece on the Telegraph uh, <laughs> about William Saliba today. So uh, if anyone wants to know a bit more about that, how that's going, do uh, search for that one. Um, another player I was hoping to talk about briefly, and uh, Nick, you mentioned him, um, Nuno Tavares. Uh, my, my first impression of him was he looks a bit dodgy, uh, and I think I've been proven pretty emphatically wrong on that one so far, <laughs> certainly in his last two league appearances. Um, he looks he looks dynamic, he looks two-footed, he looks quick and, and keen to counter-attack. Have you been particularly impressed by him, Mark? And is, is, he, uh, is Tierney facing a fight to get his spot back in the team, I guess? No. I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think Tavares has looked okay. I thought he played really well against the Villa side that were really poor. Leicester, I'd, he, you know, he's shown flashes again. He's 
he's a young guy. I don't think he's been brought in in any way, shape or form to replace Kieran Tierney in the here and now. I think he'll get enough games this season just because I think Tierney picks up the odd knock, doesn't he? And occasionally will miss one or two games. I thought it was interesting on Saturday, late, I don't know, it was late in the game, he brought Kalasinac on and, and moved Tavares further forward. He's definitely got the capabilities from what we've seen of, of playing there. I'm not saying at all he's certainly going to turn him into some kind of left winger, but if you can show him you can play left back, left wing, back and left wing, you know, there's, there's space for him in the team in more than one position. But yeah, he, he's looked good, but there's, there's no way as soon as Tierney's fit and ready, he comes back into that side, doesn't he? I think, I think everyone would agree with that. Yeah, I think so. You sound a bit like Paul Scholes, a little bit miserable and yeah, not not very hard to impress, maybe that because you're you have high standards, Mark. So I respect you for that. But Thank I think you, my that... first impression, my, my first impression when I saw Nuna was, is this guy really a left back? So he looks like mm. a flying midfield winger, just the way he goes. And that was in three season games, I think. And I'm not sure if he's really been tested yet defensively. He hasn't. I don't. Pretty sure to say he hasn't come up against one of the top top teams or one of the top top attacks. And our and being in a match where maybe uh, with the exception of Piers against Leicester, when Arsenal have been really under the cosh on his side of the pitch. Um, but as, 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 as Mark said, it could be that when Tierney comes back, a fully fit Tierney starts, in my opinion. I'm sure Mark's right there. And that is part of his settled back four. But it's great to have Nuno Tavares to be able to bring on or even to play in front of Tierney. And he can easily sort of change formations during a game. It's, it's, it could be another excellent signing, another player that I've never even heard of, let alone seen before when he signed in the summer. And it looked like, it just now feels with Tierney injured, it used to be a crisis. And they're having bloody Kolesanak and anyone who could walk was playing at their back at times. <laughs> I'm the only person who didn't get asked. And that's probably because they didn't have boots my size. But it's, uh, it, just, it now means that when Tierney's injured, there's no sort of panic in the team or in the squad or in, or in Arteta's 12-man coaching team that they can actually put someone straight in the team and they can still still play well. He's been a very good signing, even if he, even if it is just as cover. Yeah. The, um, I think it's fair to say over the last seven years, maybe six or five or six years, Arsenal have constantly swung from sort of crisis to joy to back to crisis and back to joy it's almost been this permanent pendulum of Wenger in and Wenger out and then Wenger wins a trophy and then Wenger needs to go and then he stays in and then Emery comes in and the fans weren't sure then the fans were happy then he went wrong and it just every sort of two months it felt like it, it switched and flipped and it's been the same under Arteta but now with nine games unbeaten some pretty good performances in that run notably the Villa game and the Spurs game it feels like things are a bit more stable and that's both inside the club with the executives and not as many changes in the last 12 months as there have been in the previous two or three years post-Venger. And it feels just like everyone's just relaxed a bit and it's just accepting that they've got a long-term project on their hands and things are going to take a bit of time. But so far, so good on that. But Mark, you've covered the club ever since, obviously, the final few years of the Venger reign and you've seen all these bearing emotions. How, how does, do you think this, this period, this, this last sort of, I guess it's six weeks since that first international break when things have picked up again. Um, how does this compare in terms of, do you think the mood maybe around the fan base or around the club to, to the last few years, which have been so turbulent? I think you've made a great point about the, the boardroom and the, and the, and the backroom staff and things like that. I know Richard Garlick came in, didn't he? But they, it feels like even when they, even when Wenger was still there, and they were trying to in, introduce and drive Gazidez this new model for the club, and then obviously they picked Emery, and then 
we don't need to go through the list of, of ins and outs since then. They've just been searching for that recipe, haven't they? Like finding the right way of how to how to run things off the pitch before being able to sort it on the pitch. And we saw the odd success with winning the FA Cup and things like that, but it was never going to be this consistent winning while you're still trying to find the right formula behind the scenes. Now, like you said, it that seems to have all calmed down. They look like they're happy in the structure and the way it's all sorted. I mean, famous last words, they'll probably sack someone during the international break, but once that's sorted, you can focus on the team. I know, I yeah, on the pitch at the moment, arguably the last two games have been very good. I think he would argue, Arteta would argue, that that's the kind of football he wants to play more regularly. But they also need to play it more consistently within a 90-minute period, let alone over the course of, of three or four weeks. And Watford, obviously, poses another good opportunity to stamp their authority and show that what this team can do. They'll, be, they'll obviously be, be favourites for that game, but, but it's when they hit a tricky run of fixtures and maybe are tested more and more that, that we'll see what, what this team are actually made of now. Because I think a lot of people think they could come through sticky spells, which they have. The start of the season was sticky spell, wasn't it? But they came through it and now Tottenham have sacked the manager. You know, when we went into that international break that you mentioned, Arsenal at the bottom of the table and Spurs were leading the way. Nuno was manager of the month. Fast forward, what is it, two and a half months, if that? And that they've sacked him and, and Arsenal are still going strong. Top six, I think they are now, top six or seven. Solskjaer in and out to Spurs have had their issues. But everything's at Arsenal now. It's just, as you say, it makes, makes it a strange feeling not to be covering a club that seemingly is, is teetering on a crisis. Now, Nick, I'm sure you've been doing your homework on guest, the guest of Guna. <laughs> no, I just, I, I just, just, uh, I just wanted to point out. I mean, the, the appointment of Conte at, at Tottenham is obviously a, is is a, is a big sort of step forward for them. I imagine, even if he's only there for a year or two, I'm sure he'll knock them into shape. But I think that the, you know, the big landmark event for Tottenham today is that they're celebrating 5,000 days without a trophy, and that is a hell of an achievement. There aren't that many clubs that can bring up the 5,000 days without a hint of silverware. And I think that's what Arsenal fans will be reflecting and bowing over to that half of North London to say, well done, keep it up for another 5,000. And uh, hopefully Conte on day one can um, lock them into, keep them in shape as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. Good, good work, Nick. You got that dig in just as I was <laughs> Thank trying you. to pivot, pivot away to uh, the guest of Guna game. So you just scraped it in. Let's see if it survives the uh, final editing cut. But uh, <laughs> yeah. until then, <laughs> the amount of editing that gets done, I can guarantee that will definitely make the cut. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, I will hand over to today's quiz master, Mark Man Bryant. Oh, it's going to be difficult then. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, just as uh, if you're first time listeners, Guest Aguna is our is our quiz we do when there's no one new for the Arsenal beat quiz, uh, which you guys have already done and I've done, and we all did quite well. Um, so I'll read out a list of clues that link to a former Arsenal player. Um, I will then leave a pause. If you want to make a guess, shout your name. If you get it right, you get 10 points. But do beware, because for every one you get wrong, you lose a point. So if you guess the second time, you get nine points, third time, eight points, and so on. Um, right. I don't guess willy-nilly. Yes, don't waste, don't <laughs> waste your guesses. <laughs> so let's play. Guess the Guna. I'm 
I made three appearances during the first ever Premier League season, scoring two goals. After leaving Highbury in 1996, I did not play in the Premier League again until 2000. Oh, um, I have a guess. I mean, is if it, you get this from it, this. Go on. I just think it's, is, is it Franny Jeffers? It's not, but I oh. like your style. I like the guessing style. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I was capped 10 times by my country, scoring once. I was an unused substitute as Arsenal won the 1994 Cup Winners' Cup final. I was the last player Alan Ball signed for Manchester City. Ooh. I scored in the final match of Arsenal's invincible season as the Gunners beat Leicester 2-1. Oh, blimey. Ooh. Joe Royal gave me the nickname The Wasp as I was so hard to keep pinned down. Um, I just ask you to repeat the one about the Invincibles. Of course, yeah. I scored, the f I scored in the final match of Arsenal's Invincible season as the Gunners beat Leicester 2 1. So you must have scored for Leicester because you left Arsenal in 1996. I have managed Oldham and Doncaster. <laughs> I'm, 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 I know who it is, but I presume I'm not allowed to. No, you can keep guessing. Yeah, you can have another oh, guess. Oh, yeah, so it's Paul Dickoff, isn't it? It is. Well done. Oh, that was on the tip of my tongue. It was Paul Dickoff. Well done. Well done, mate. That's your first first appearance on the Arsenal uh, on the Gestaguna and your first yeah. victory. A nice nine so points thought, for I you there, I mate. I disqualified myself with Franny Jeffers. No, not at all. I mean, he's definitely going to make it at some point, isn't he? Because the list of players <laughs> we've had so far. <laughs> who have we had? I think we've had Seb Larson, Mikel Silvestre, Igor Stefanos and Paul Dickoff. It's, it's going to be mm. the worst Arsenal lineup of all time, this. Yes, we Dennis Suarez. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that was a good shout, actually. We could have done Suarez. Come in, Kim Kalstrom. Guess the, Kalstrom. Guess the Guna Loney edition. <laughs> it's a good it's a good quiz. Well thank you very much. And with that with that endorsement from haters ringing in our ears, um thank you Nick, thank you Sam for hosting this week. Yeah. We'll be back later in the week to have a look ahead to that Watford game where we'd expect another 3 points for Arteta's men. We'll speak to you then. Mm -hmm.